Uh, let's take just a moment to pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, as we sang in the song, you are welcome here. Come and flood this place. Fill this place and flood the atmosphere. Lord, we want to be overcome by your presence. Not, the taste of it is good, but Lord, we, we ask you to come in full grace and power and love. Speak to our minds and hearts. Let your word take deep root in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I would like to start off by saying that some things are impossible, right? For example, it's impossible to tickle yourself. Have you ever tried it? I mean, I, don't, I think it's impossible. Maybe some of you can, but anyway, here's another one, and we're going to try this one right now, but I need you to grab a pen. Some of you can tickle yourself, can you? All right, but grab a pen, okay, got a pen, and of course a paper, any bulletin or anything will work. Just uh, get a pen there, and uh, now, I guess if you can't find a pen, just point with your finger or something, but use a pen. Now, on the same side that you've got the pen in, I want you to lift your foot and move it in a clock, at a clockwise circle. So you know this one? Okay, clockwise circle. Now, with, with your pen, write the letter six. I, I can't do it. Either I can't write the six or my, my foot starts going the opposite way. Could anybody do it? Oh, well, then you can do the impossible. Aren't you something? <laughs> That's good. Well, for, for, for us as humans, some things are kind of out of the realm of possibility. Some things we can do if we practice. Some things you can do if you're naturally gifted. But we know that God is not bound by what is impossible to us. So today's the second week in our series, uh, 50 Days of Unleashing Hope. Last Sunday we learned that to be people of hope, we have to recharge our batteries. Have you been thinking about that? Have you been doing that, recharging your batteries? Uh, you can't stay hopeful if you're always running on empty. So if you didn't get to hear the message last week, you can go online to our website or get our Faith Westwood app or you can listen to our podcast and, uh, and listen. So I'm gonna, we have a theme verse for this series. We'll put it up on the screen and uh, I'm going to have you all say it with me, Romans 15, 13. Here it is. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, isn't that a great picture? To be a person that overflows with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, what's the situation that this is being written to? The Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians in Rome are not getting along very well. They're having trouble accepting each other. So, the Apostle Paul reminds them that Jesus the Messiah has come to bring the nations together. One day, people of all nations will bow before him and confess that he is Lord. That's our future. And when we live with that hope in our hearts, we start living that hope right where we are now. You see, hope is extremely practical. Have you thought about it that way? Hope is extremely practical. What we hope for changes how we live today. 
racial, the racial tensions in Rome uh, remind me of the racial tensions in our time. But you see, we see a future where Jesus brings together the people of all nations and races and tongues. That's our hope. In September, the uh, Omaha World Herald published a story about all of the violence in Chicago. As you probably know, homicides have been off the charts for at least some time. But this year, this year, murders are up 47% over last year. The Chicago police chief said that much of the violence is rooted in poverty and hopelessness. Hopelessness. He said, you show me a man that doesn't have hope, and I'll show you a man that's willing to pick up a gun and do anything with it. Everybody needs hope. Can't live without hope. Uh, but, and, and even if you feel like you're giving up hope on yourself, God is not giving up hope on you. Uh, we've given away, we've given out more than 400 copies of this book, The Hope Quotient now. We had to order more this uh, last week. And so if you don't have one yet, this is a book that most of us are reading. Uh, pick one up. If you have 10 bucks for an offering, that'd be great. But if you don't, don't worry about it. Just get a book. If you want to read it, we want you to have it. As I said before, hope is the expectation of good to come. Hope is the expectation of good to come. So what's your expectation? You know, if your expectation at work is to do just enough to get by, so hopefully you don't get fired, I mean, that's a pretty low expectation, and, and it's not going to help you do your job very well. If your expectation is that, uh, well, we're just going to keep the marriage together for the sake of the kids, and well, that's not going to bring a lot of hope to your marriage. And sometimes we have low expectations for God. Maybe you've gone through times in your life, and you say, wow, God, you've really let me down. I remember years ago meeting an elderly couple who lived next door to a young family in the church where I was serving, and we were friends with that, that young family. And sometime later, this elderly next-door neighbor, the wife of this couple, um, was hospitalized. And all their lives, this, this couple, they'd never been churchgoers. They did not have a pastor. So their neighbors asked them if, it, if they would be okay if I would come and visit her in the hospital. And they said, sure. And so I started going a couple of times a week, and, you know, he was almost always there. He was always at her side. So uh, she ended up being in the hospital pretty much the whole summer. So, you know, a couple times a week all summer, I got to know them pretty well. And I learned, especially as the summer went on, that she was in a lot of pain. And, you know, my heart just went out to her. And so I asked God to to ease her pain, Lord, ease her suffering. And every time I would visit them, I would end with a prayer, and I would, I would do this sincere, heartfelt prayer for her, for God to, to relieve this, the, the, the pain that she's going through. And, and, I, and I would also pray on my own, Lord, you know, you got to do this. But, and every time I would come back, maybe a little hopeful, God, is she, doing, feel, is she feeling a little better? But every time, the pain was the same. 
And I got a little ticked off with God. You know? Like, Lord, this would be a perfect time for you to demonstrate your love to these people who don't yet know you. And, and I mean, how are they going to come to believe in you and trust in you if you don't answer my prayer? So God and I had to have that one out. But toward the end of the summer, um, she told me that she had never been baptized. And she asked me, Steve, would, would you baptize me? I said, sure. And a couple of weeks after that, she left the hospital and she went back home. And, uh, but she wasn't well enough to go to church. And so we worked this out, and they invited the next-door neighbors, the young family, to come over to their house to represent the church. And there in this couple's living room, I baptized her in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. A few months later, she died. And at the funeral... We were sad, but there was hope. There was hope. I can't tell you why God didn't cure her. <laughs> I can't tell you why God didn't lessen her pain like I asked. I, I, I confess I was really disappointed. But I came to see that God did another kind of miracle he made it possible for two people to turn to him and to trust him, put their faith in him, despite the pain. You see, being people of hope means we focus on what God is doing instead of what God is not doing. Does that make sense? Being people of hope means that we focus on what God is doing instead of what God is not doing. I remember years ago, a couple who were going through uh, all the medical interventions that go with infertility, trying to conceive a child. You know, they prayed, and they, these, this was a praying couple, and they prayed, and we prayed for them and with them. And anyway, one Sunday, I was, uh, I was, the sermon was on, my sermon was on how to see a miracle. And that was the same Sunday that they were waiting for a phone call to let them know if she was expecting. And so they knew that the phone call was probably going to come in the morning, so they sat in the back, kind of over in that direction. And, um, and actually it was during my message that the phone rang. And so they, they answered it, they slipped out, and they, uh, they, they both kind of huddled around the phone so they could both hear at the same time. And they got the news no pregnancy. And their hearts just sank. And after they hung up the phone, they just, they just held each other and cried. After a few minutes, they returned to the worship center, and um, they, they told me later that as they were walking back in, I was about to make, I was just then at that moment making my next point on how to see a miracle. 
as they walked into the worship center, they heard these words, let go of the miracle you didn't get. That was it. Let go of the miracle you didn't get. And they came and talked to me later, and they realized that was a word from the Lord for them that they needed right at that moment so that they would not give up hope. And I won't go into the details of how all this transpired, but I will say that today they are the proud parents of two daughters. Now, inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline, an insert with an outline for the, today's message, actually the rest of today's message. Uh, I'm going to invite you to pull that out and follow along, fill in the blanks as we go through it. And, uh, and I hope that during the week you'll look at it again. Kind of think through it, pray through it, read it, and maybe if you're in a group, then bring it to group. That way you can kind of help discuss there too. So I've got a, a few little points along the way. The first one is this. Believe your impossible is God's possible. Let's say that one together, shall we? Believe your impossible is God's possible. And while you've got your outline open there, I want to also ask that you uh, grab a Bible or the, bring the one you got and open it to Mark chapter 2. In the Pew Bible, it's on page 1002. I don't have that on the screen, but the page number is 1002 in these. And as we always like to say, if you're here today but you don't have a Bible of your own, just take that black pew Bible home with you, okay? You can have it. It's yours. We'll stick another one in later. So if you found uh, Mark chapter 2, I'm going to ask you to keep your Bible open throughout the message because we're going to kind of keep coming back to it uh, along the way. To give you a little background, in the, in the previous chapter, um, at the synagogue in Capernaum, Jesus delivers this man who um, has an impure spirit. And then that was in the synagogue. Then they leave the synagogue, they go to Simon's house, and that's where Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law who's sick in bed with a fever. Well, after those two events kind of became known through the town of Capernaum, people started showing up all, from all over town. Everybody's bringing their sick family and friends, and Jesus just heals them. And then Jesus travels throughout Galilee, and he's, he's speaking in all the synagogues he goes to. He's, he's healing people all along the way. One time a man comes up to him uh, with leprosy all over his skin, and he, he falls down to his knees, and he begs Jesus to cleanse him of this leprosy. And Jesus says, be cleansed. And the man's leprosy begins to disappear. Now, in chapter 2, it says that a few days later, Jesus returns to Capernaum, which, by the way, is where Jesus lives. That's where the town where he moved to after he left his hometown of Nazareth. Okay? Jesus lives in Capernaum. Uh, and, and, of course, word got out quickly, hey, Jesus is back. So the next morning, a crowd shows up at Jesus' house. It is wall-to-wall -wall people in there. Even at the doorway, they're, they're packed in and, and stacked up in a long line behind uh, the door. And, and so now, I want you to look for verse 3. Um, it says, Some men, men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. They carried him because they believed that what was impossible for them was possible for God. 
Mark 9.23, Jesus says, Everything is possible for one who believes. When we begin to believe that our impossible is God's possible, it raises our expectations. It increases our hope. And then, the next thought is this. Look to better days ahead. In the previous chapter, it says that Jesus uh, went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. He says, folks, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus is saying, it's not going to be the hopeless days that you're used to. I mean, this is good news. Better days are ahead. Get ready. Uh, and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. Come on. Good news. Come be a part of it. I believe that Jesus is walking through the corridors of our schools, and he's, he's telling people, good news, you know. Follow me, and you will find better days ahead. I believe that Jesus is walking through the, the hallways of hospitals and apartment buildings and office complexes saying, you may feel stuck. You may be discouraged and defeated, but I have good news. I bring new life. Just let go of all those things that drag you down. Come along with me. Look to better days ahead. And maybe some of you say, well, I mean, that's probably true for some people, but not me. My best days are behind me, Lord. You know that. My health is bad. It's not getting any better. My best friend died. My, fan, my finances are a mess. They're always a tight struggle I can never manage. And I say, okay, I hear that. Your situation is hard, and I don't, want to, I don't want to diminish that at all. But I believe you have a purpose in life right now. You have a purpose. God has a calling for you in your life right now. And when you start thinking about that, that's what better days look like. Fulfilling the purpose God has for you yet to come. Okay, next. And remember that today is one scene in a bigger story. Because you might be going through a, a chapter in your life where it really stinks. And a lot of junk's being, you know, is flying your way. You're disappointed, discouraged. But I want you to know those dark days will not last forever. You know, part of practicing hopefulness is to keep life in perspective. Today is just one day, one chapter, one scene in a bigger story. <clears throat> one of my wife's favorite movies, uh, probably in the top two or three, is Sense and Sensibility. Okay, who's watched it? All right, Trish will probably, all the rest of you, Trish will probably buy you a DVD <laughs> so you can watch that. Um, but uh, she probably watches it two or three times a year. Uh, but if you've never seen it before, when you watch it for the very first time, you don't know what's going to happen, right? Will Miss Eleanor Dashwood ever find true love? How many hearts will be broken by that dashing Mr. Willoughby? Will Mr. Edward Ferris stop being so dang polite and finally speak what's on his heart? And will Colonel Brandon continue to be overlooked by Miss Marianne? 
Of course, if you've seen the movie 40 times, you know what's going to happen. But it doesn't work that way in real life, does it? No. Our future is still unfolding. We don't know what's around the corner. But we do know that the scene we're in is not the entire story. I was doing some research, uh, actually reading some research on, on marriage the other day, and it said that most couples who are unhappy, if, if they choose to stick it out and work on their relationship, most couples find happiness again. It quoted a therapist and researcher from the University of Minnesota. He said that marriages are not like fruit. I say, well, okay. What is that about? Marriages are not like fruit. He said, when fruit gets bruised or rotten, it does not improve with time. You just have to toss it out. He said, marriages often, however, do improve with time. When you're in the middle of troubled times, though, when you're in the thick of it, that may be hard to see. That's why we have to remember that today is one scene in a bigger story. Isn't that what Jesus said? In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he tells us to remember that we are blessed even when we are attacked. He said this, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because what? Say the rest with me. Because great is your reward in heaven. He's saying the bigger story is even bigger than this life. And there may be times when we don't see the blessing right now. We only can accept it by faith. But there's, some, there's a reward yet to come when we stay faithful. Another step you can do is to act boldly on the faith you have. You know, Jesus never said you need a ton of faith, right? He just said to, that, you know, maybe a mustard seed-sized faith would be enough because it's not about how big your faith is. It's about how big your God is, right? So let's go back to Mark chapter 2 and look at verse 4. Talking about these four guys who are carrying their friend. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man, the mat the man was lying on. You know, I was reading a, that passage again this week and kind of studying and praying through it, and, and I had to admit that if I, if I were one of those four guys carrying my friend on the mat and I get to the house and there's, there's no room, you can't even squeeze anybody in, let alone somebody on a mat, I probably would have said, oh, well, I guess we won't be able to. We'll just have to go home. I don't know that I would have been bold enough to think, okay, well, what else could we do? But these guys did. Matter of fact, most of the houses back then were made with an outdoor set of stairs, steps, that go up to the roof. So they hike their, their friend on the mat, and they're up to the top of the roof, and uh, they start doing demolition. <laughs> now, if somebody starts tearing a hole in my roof, I'm not going to be very happy. 
But Jesus isn't bothered at all. And I don't know for sure if this is Jesus' house, but it kind of makes sense to me. This is where Jesus lives, you know. But he isn't bothered at all. At the beginning of verse 5, look there. It says, when Jesus saw their face, faith. He's not looking at the hole in the, in the roof. He's looking at them. He's looking at their faith. Some people worry that they don't have absolute certainty in their faith. And I said, that's okay. You don't have to have absolute certainty in, their, in your faith. Philosophically speaking, I don't know that you can prove that anybody has absolute certainty about anything. But here's what I think faith is. Faith is having enough confidence to act on what you believe. Does that make sense? Faith means having the confidence to act on what you believe. So, Jesus forgives the paralyzed man uh, of his sins, which, of course, offends the teachers of the law. They say, you know, only God can forgive sins. And then Jesus proves that he has been given authority to forgive sins by commanding the paralyzed man to get up and go home. Now, thinking about that guy laying on the mat, he's got a decision to make. Will he decide that, well, it's impossible? For me to get up, I can't do it. I can't walk. Or will he give it a try? Verse 12. Follow with me? Verse 12. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, and let's all say the quotation together, we have never seen anything like this. When this man tried to get up, he knew it was going to be a risk. I mean, he might try and then be disappointed. Well, it didn't work. I, I was hoping, but, but Jesus said to do it. So he said, okay, what have I got to lose? I'm going to do it. So I say to you, do what this paralyzed man did. Set out to surprise everyone. You've got people in your life who are naysayers. Prove them wrong. You've got people in your life who are always pointing the accusing finger at you. Prove them wrong. Prove them all wrong. Now, I don't know what God's going to do, but when you listen to Jesus and do what he says, I, bet, I believe something amazing is going to happen, and you're going to surprise some people. A lot of you have stories already about following through with what God said, and whoa, what a surprise. So what about you? Are you going to listen to Jesus? Or are you going to stay stuck on that mat? Are you going to stay with what's safe and what's comfortable, with what you know? Or are you going to surprise some people? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, it's, it's pretty easy for us to just kind of live with enough disappointment and discouragement and defeat that we don't, we're afraid to raise our expectations. We're afraid to believe anything beyond what we could handle ourselves, and some days we know that only gets us so far. Oh, Lord, give us just that little bit of spark that allows us to trust that what is not possible for us is possible for you.
And Lord, a lot of times we'd like to tell you just what you should do, and yet we know it doesn't work that way. And yet, Lord, we're not afraid to ask and trust you for the outcome. And so, Lord, we pray that you will show us, teach us, remind us that... uh, There are things in life that we can't make happen, we can't control, but Lord, you are still the one who leads us. You can make things happen that we can't, and we put our hope and trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.